Good morning, everyone. We are live and on the air. Good morning. God bless you too. Thanks for being with us this morning. For those of you who are, have just joined us, thanks for being here this morning. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday School. Sunday, June 14th, 9.30 a.m. Uh, to allow additional people to get on um, and log on for Sunday School, we will uh, get started with a music, musical selection from our praise team that was sent over. Um, and that will allow people to join us as we get, get it together here. Um, Mississippi Mass Choir, it's good to know Jesus. I'm going to be playing this, and uh, we'll allow for people to get online. We'll start our Sunday school session. Amen.
pick up your Bible and read it. Okay, that was the Mississippi Mass Choir. It's good to know Jesus. And uh, I thank uh, the praise team for that selection as well, too. Just uh, uh, It's a good way to start Sunday school to get everybody thinking about what's really important right now. And uh, if you picked up on some of the lyrics of that song, um, the vocalist was talking about what was happening in the book of Philippians and the book of Philemon. Um, all kinds of different things about how God has delivered us. That was a very important uh, message in itself. And it's never a bad time to get before the Lord and have conversation with Him. And we'll we'll get into all of that as we go forward. I got some got some housekeeping notes, and we will go ahead with a word of prayer as well too. Um, just as a reminder, we will be. Uh, uh, breaking from here at about 10:15 or so to allow to go down to Akron to begin uh, uh, recording the uh, session on Facebook Live for the worship service at 11 o'clock. Um, we ask that you, um, if you're going down to Akron, to make sure that you bring your lawn chairs. We we do plan to be on the front lawn surface this morning. Um, the uh, praise team, I believe, will be performing there as well too. Um, and I ask that you just uh, uh, do that, and we'll have a good time. Dress for the weather. It is a little bit cooler today than uh, what we expected. The heat cut on this morning in my house, so that tells me that it's going to be a little bit cooler than normal, so it's going to be in the, about the 50s to 60s by the time we get going down in Akron, so dress accordingly. Um, also, uh, please note that um, as far as our offerings and tithes, please make sure that you uh, provide those uh, there, there's a box on the side of the church by the front entrance of the church um, where you can drop off your offering. Please remember to do so. And we're going to go ahead and get started uh, with a word of prayer as well, too, which is something that sometimes when I start talking, I actually forget, and I, I have to remind myself that we need to be praying 
before and after we do this. Uh, so let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your graciousness. We thank you for how you have opened up the hearts of many people with all the things that have happened this year. And yet people are looking to you and turning to you and recognizing that you're the one that they need to be looking to in spite of everything that's happening. And we are just so thankful for that. We don't always understand why things happen the way they do, but we know that there's nothing that happens without your knowledge and without your consent. And we just praise you, Lord, and thank you for bringing people to you. And we pray, Lord, that for those of us who do know you, that we can be stronger and better in our walk with you as we learn what Scripture reminds us and teaches us. We thank you for these lessons that we're take, undertaking right now, and we pray that you'll help us to remember to have empathy for others, looking to others in the midst of a very difficult time. And we give you the praise and thanks for all that you'll be teaching us and all that we'll learn. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in the book of Philippians chapter 2. Um, this is the year, that verses 1 through 11, that's what we're covering today. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. We are going to read the passage, of course, too. And when we do that, we'll go back over the verses and, and I'll discuss with you what uh, I got from it and what I hope that you'll get from it as well, too, from the interaction as well. So let's start. If you have your Bibles and electronic devices, please go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And we will go over those passages together. Um, it's just such a blessing to be able to do this, to be able to get together with you here online. We, um, we would love to have other people be able to join us and do this as well, too, because um, we don't know exactly when we're going to get back inside the church. So if there's other people that you know that have the capability to, to log in and look at uh, Sunday school and look at our worship service who haven't been able to come to church, uh, please reach out to them. And if there's something that can be done where we can get them to do that, that would be great because I, I kind of foresee a time where we're going to have to have this capability because of all the things that are happening. You just never quite know what's going to go down from one moment to the next. And we've kind of found that out over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? So let's go ahead and look at passages 1 through 11 in chapter 2 of Philippians, starting with verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ... If any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should not everyone should look out not only for his own interests but also for the interests of others. Verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, 
So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this is like a two-part passage, um, but I wanted to focus on, of course, the first part of it. And when we look at this year, uh, the year 2020, we're all saying at the beginning of the year, at, at New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, 2020, the year of vision, a vision year, um, in the, the nomenclature of the eye doctor, the 2020 vision is supposed to be perfect vision, clear vision, being able to see everything. And what you've seen this year is exactly that. You have a clear perspective as to what's going on right now. And if you don't have any uh, other way of looking at it, the, the clear perspective is that we need to be paying closer and closer attention to not just what's happening in the world, but the result of what is happening in the world and understanding why it's happening. We don't have full disclosure as to why things are happening the way they are, but we do know that there are very clear lines being drawn as to what is sinful behavior and what is not sinful behavior. And that's really where it needs to start. And it needs to start with us as individuals and making sure that we, when there's ever an opportunity for discussion that we're having with someone, that we need to be ready to speak about Jesus Christ. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. These are times where Christ, God is driving people to make decisions about their life in such a way where they just reevaluate everything that's happened. That remember, remember in January and February, things were very, very normal, normal day. And my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. We were talking about how we just went through a routine. We were kind of on a bit of a treadmill when it came to work and even church. There were things that were just happening. We were doing things, but sometimes you just do things and there needs to be meaning behind them. So now I'm thinking that after we've had a chance to look at what we've been doing with our lives, we've had a total change in what we've been doing between our work and our church environment, uh, because that's pretty much what we do is, is work in church. Um, that's kind of how it all works out. But now we've had a chance to evaluate exactly what work is about and what church is about. And what we need to focus on are people are, who are not involved with church are crying out for help. There are people around you that you may know who are totally bewildered by what's happening. And if coronavirus didn't do it, these recent uh, demonstrations and rioting certainly have gotten people's attention. So we need to go back and look exactly what Paul is saying here in Philippians about what we need to be doing as Christians and what we need to be focusing on. So here's the reminder, again, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, so let's take a look at the first section again. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, and if any affection and mercy, listen to all those things lumped into that one verse. Encouragement in Christ, consolation of love, fellowship with the Spirit, affection and mercy. That's the mindset that we need to be looking at as we approach this passage and that's the mindset that we need to have when we look at this passage and remind ourselves these are the things that we need to be mindful of on a daily basis. This is how we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to be distracted 
by things that take us off the focus of Jesus Christ. We need to be encouraged by him. We need to be consoled by him. We need to have fellowship with him. And we need to demonstrate affection and mercy towards others. Cutting people some slack. And sometimes that's hard to do, but that's something that indeed we should be doing. Um, I have a passage that I wanted to look at real quick, Ed, before I dive further ahead. It's Colossians 3.12. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And you'll find that in the book of Philippians, there's a lot of comparatives to the other um, writings that take place in the New Testament as well, too, that have us go back and forth. Colossians 3.12. This is what we are supposed to put on. You know, we talk about how we put on the honor of God. Uh, armor of God, excuse me. Well, look here what it says here. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And I'll just add verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. How often do we need to hear that passage and remind ourselves before we go off on somebody or do something we shouldn't be doing? We need to have a mindset, the proper approach. As Christ loves us, we are to love others. And I'm reminded of that over and over again as I look at the news and things that are taking place about people wanting to demonstrate, which is great. The demonstrations are fantastic. God is doing some amazing things right now. I don't know if you realize this. In the midst of a tragedy, you know, there's a quote from a politician that says, never let a, a tragedy go to waste. Um, and that's strictly for political purposes. There's not any other way to look at that than what it is. Um, but this is something where we need to look at it from a standpoint where God is using situations like this to wake people up. Wake people up to be able to do things that are necessary to... Not just live for Christ, but show others the value of living for Christ. And being available more than ever to speak to people about the love of Christ. Now, we've only gotten the first verse so far. But that first verse is very important for us to see what we need to be doing. Now, I'm going to share with you something that's very important for you to understand here, too. Um, Christians have to live in such a way where they're making a good impression to others. Um and you have to, or to, you know, you can either do that or you're doing it to please yourself. Now, let me explain what that means. When we're talking about selfish ambition or vain conceit, you have to understand that people sometimes will get involved with certain projects or certain things, not because of anyone else's good, but because of their own good. They're looking to make themselves look good. We have to understand that's what Paul was talking about before, uh, back in chapter 1. People were preaching the gospel, but they were doing so for their own uh, vanity, for their own concerns, because they wanted to look good. Well, the reality is that people are going to be people, and they're going to do those very things. But we need to make sure we're not doing those things. Whether, we, whether it's going to happen or not, we need to make sure that we are living in such a way. We're living in spiritual unity as a church, as a people. We're, you know... Paul was asking the Philippians to love one another and to be one in spirit and purpose. And that's what we need to do because that means that we are showing other people that we are concerned about and caring for their problems. We're taking on another person's problems because, you know, because it reflects it's our own problem. 
the whole issue that we have in society today about uh, racist actions and things like that is not just a black problem. It's a white problem. It's an all-racist problem where people need to understand the importance of working together in unity to educate and get people back to where they need to be. And people who follow Jesus Christ need to understand that and should be understanding that. So the great thing that's happening right now, whether you recognize it or not, is that people are looking for more information and they're looking for ways to find a way to get this thing done. This has been talked about for years and years and years. And let's face it, this is a biblical issue that has been going on forever. This is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. When we talk about something that there's nothing new, there was racism back in Paul's day. We know that by looking at actions between the Jews and the Gentiles. We're not seeing anything that's strange here. We understand that, uh, that this is not anything more than a problem about people dealing with sin. Sin is what makes people do what they do that is outside of what God would have us to do. And that includes believers, too. Um, we've got a lot of churches that need to get their act together and, when it comes right down to it, uh, not allow sin to overtake them. Back in the 60s in the Civil Rights Movement, uh, sometimes the Civil Rights Movement was hijacked by people who were not necessarily looking at it from a standpoint of uh, good intentions and helping other people, but by doing so to do what? Make themselves more important. There's nothing that we're talking about here today that didn't happen 40 or 50 years ago. You notice that? What's the common denominator in all these things? It's sin. Sin is what we have to look at in the whole picture and we're talking about educating people and giving people greater understanding. That's all well and good, and that's great. I love that that's happening. But we also need to now take it one step further, and the church cannot back away from a challenge like this where people are asking questions and we're not prepared to answer. Are you prepared to talk to somebody, not just about the times that we live in, but about the Christ that we serve? That is exactly where we need to be. We need to be prepared to do those very things. So Paul is saying the very same thing here about making sure that we're not just making an impression or meeting our own needs. We're not doing something like that. We're doing it for the good of all. We're doing it for our good, but also the good of everyone else in having conversations like this. And Paul is saying the same thing. Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, and look at verse 3 again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Back in Philippians. Sorry about that. Chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. More important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not for his, only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. I've got a couple of passages here I want to... Uh, flip through real quick. Galatians 5.26 is one of them. Galatians 5.26. And you have to understand that, and this is the last passage in chapter 5 of Galatians, but it says in verse 26, let us not become conceited. Don't get all full of yourself. Provoking one another, envying one another. That's not thinking about unity. That's thinking about 
me, myself, and I. There's nothing there that is going to be beneficial in the family of God if you're thinking about your own interests. Um, and that's something that's important for us to be remembered because, remember, people will try to provoke you into saying and doing things that you really don't want to do. And so you can't fall for that. You can't get caught up in that. One more example is Romans 12.10. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. In other words, go out of your way to honor other people. Not because you're puff, you know, puffing them up, but doing so in a sincere and, and gentle and compassionate way. People need encouragement today. People need encouragement. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Show honor to other people. Um, every, every person is valuable. Amen? Every person has a value. Show value to them. You don't just walk by somebody and not pay attention to them. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them what's going on. Talk to them as you meet with them. You know, when we get together after church today, there's going to be some fellowship time. Ask someone how they're doing. Don't assume that everyone is doing as well as you are. And, you know, frankly, you know, it's a moment-by-moment -moment thing with all of us. We all have moments where we're not all that strong. We need to make sure that we are encouraging other people. So that's very important. Now, let's go down to verse 5, back to Philippians chapter 2. So, part 1 was that first section about how we're to live for Christ, and we're trying to also show a joy in serving Christ. And we're now also going to imitate in this whole process Christ's humility. Christ was nothing but humble. He was humble. It says in verse 5, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Stop right there. First thing we do, adopt the attitude, the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. What would Jesus do was probably the greatest phrase, the greatest question that was being asked back, how long ago that was now, 10 years it's been a little while, about 10 years. 10 years ago, everybody had these WWJD bracelets on. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in a moment like this? He would have compassion. He would have empathy. He was humble. He showed us how to live a humble life. Let me give you an example of that. Go to Matthew 11. I'm peppering everybody with verses today. Yes, I am. Matthew 11. Verse 29, Matthew 11, 29. Um, we're to live for Christ. Again, take the focus off of all of the noise that's happening um, in watching TV, the media. Uh, I don't have a problem with demonstrations, but we also know that the rioting took away from the demonstrations, if you notice that, because there are people there that have their own agenda and don't want to see successful protests take place. So we need to focus on what's important and looking at Jesus Christ. It says in verse, 11, or verse 29 of Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, that's Jesus speaking, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Amen and amen. Take on Jesus' yoke. He was humble, and he was willing to give up his own rights to serve God, obey God, and serve people. 
we all see that if we look at the passages where Jesus uh, was, was walking the earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all different versions of his life. They're all very great versions of, of uh, looking at the examples that Jesus had given. And we're serving God, serving out of love for God and others, not out of guilt or fear. We're having a service, a servant's attitude. No one likes the connotation of servant, but you're a servant of Jesus Christ. You're serving him for all the right reasons because he chose you to serve you. Do you understand that? He, he chose you to serve him. That's what I'm trying to say. He chose you to serve him. So, And he himself called himself a servant. So if Jesus Christ is calling himself a servant, an obedient to God, being obedient to God and being a servant for God, that's exactly where I want to be. I want to be exactly where he is in that area. You can approach life looking to be served, or you can look for opportunities to serve others. And there's an example, I won't turn to it, but you can make a note of it personally. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 gives examples on Christ's attitude of servanthood. So we need to understand that. Um, so let's look at the first, the next passages going back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, going back to verse 6. Because this section here, you'll, you may have noticed in your, in your Bible, it's written with a, a poetic type of a stanza. Um, the way it's written and the way it's represented, and it takes you all the way to the end of this passage in verse 11. In verse 6, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Please look at that. Something not to be exploited. We need to see the examples of not being exploited in our lives. There are things that are not exploiting other people. And we recognize exploitation because we know when we're being used. So we are not to use others, and Christ is showing us this example the same attitude, don't consider equality with God as something to be exploited. And he very well could have done that, but he didn't do that. Instead, verse 7, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had become as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a rich passage that is. What a rich section that is. We need to see what Christ did for us as how we live for others during a very difficult time. We have to have, we should have, the desire to lay aside our rights and serve others. If we say we follow Christ, we don't need to also say we want to live in the same way he lives. He was humble. We should be humble. He is, even if we are not recognized for what we do, I mean, sometimes we do things and we're not recognized for it. But that's fine. Christ wasn't either. So you're in very good company. We don't just do things just to get a reaction. It's just like the proverbial gift-giving scenario. I'm going to give someone a gift, and so the expectation is that I'm going to get a gift in return because I gave another person the gift. No, you give the gift as if you don't expect anything back, and that's the way it should be. 
because you don't just give gifts to get something back. That's the whole point of this. Living, take the flesh out of the way you might respond and look at it from a standpoint of where Christ is. Take the flesh out of the picture. You do things without expecting anything in return. You do things quietly and maybe even behind the scenes to show you care about someone. And you don't say, look what I did. I did something for so-and-so. No, that's not how Christ would have you do it. And that's not how you should do it because that means you're looking for attention. We need to make sure we take the flesh out of all of our responses. Uh, Please run over to John chapter 1. Verse 14. When we're talking about living for Jesus Christ and looking at what Christ did, he is giving us information, he's giving us evidence to be able to see how important it was for him to come into our midst and do what he did. In John 1.14, and this refers to verse 7 back in Philippians chapter 2, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We're seeing how he took on the form of a servant, took on the likeness of humanity, as it says in verse 7 back in chapter 2 of Philippians, and became a man, became a man, fully God, but yet fully man. And humbled himself to death, to the point of death, on the cross. Now, I won't dwell on this too much. But if you're talking about dying on a cross, there's different ways to die, obviously. And there's, you know, you always pray for the one, was that song, in the, the song Kenny Rogers, The Gambler. Uh, the, one of the lyrics was that you could pray and hope you die in your sleep. Because it's a very peaceful death, I know, right? Uh, I'm just, it just came to mind as I was thinking about this. Well, Jesus Christ didn't die in his sleep. Jesus Christ died on a cross. Crucifixion, one of the most painful, notorious ways the Romans did capital punishment. It was reserved for the most notorious criminals. Think of the most notorious criminals of our lifetime. And you can imagine they would be dying on a cross if we had that same type of uh, thought process. You know, we have people who go to the electric chair. We have people go to the gas chamber, those types of things. Those are the most supposedly the most notorious criminals. Well, he died a painful and humiliating death when he died on the cross. He died as if he was cursed. And that's referred to in Galatians 3.13. So the fact that he died the way he did in such a dramatic way, in such a, a way that he was obedient to the Father and died on the cross for us in what would be, would be deemed as a humiliating way. And yet we know that we have the victory because he died on the cross for us in that manner. So it's amazing that he would do such a magnanimous thing to die the way he did so that we would not have to face eternal punishment. He is the Lamb that gave himself up. He was the perfect lamb that was slain for us. And for that reason, it's more than a notion that we need to look to him in humility, go before him, take our sins to him, look to him for what he did. And that's why God had said 
God exalted him and said that every knee shall bow, every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because of what he did for us. And understand something, too. We're talking about now how Jesus Christ, even though he was a servant, he came to serve others. He now, because God exalted him, gave him full authority, full authority to be able to do what he does. And we are just thankful to be, he's the bridegroom and the church is the bride. We have a relationship, we have a bond with Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us and he has called us the church, his bride. A husband and wife have a very, very, very special relationship. It, it, it transcends beyond friendship. It transcends beyond just being good buddies, good buddies and pals or whatever you call. It, it transcends beyond, <laughs> beyond that. My wife just looked at me and said, what, what are you talking about? Um, she knows what I'm talking about. We are the best of friends, but we are more than just friends. We, we have a bond. That's why when God says, you know, that bond in marriage should not be broken. And we know we've, we have a whole other class about how, what happens in relationships and all that stuff. But we recognize that we have a special bond. The bond that Jesus Christ has with our church is inseparable. It is something that he gives us that as an information to show us that he has made a loving commitment to us. And we need to have a loving and commitment to him. And as a bride looks to a husband, we are to look to him as a matter of authority, and he is the head of our church, so we are to look to him and look at him as an example of how, as to how we should live. So that's why husbands need to make sure that we are doing everything we can in a marriage relationship to provide leadership, but also show what it is to be a humble servant of God, so that everyone can see that. We don't want someone taking on the world's characteristics and living in such a way where I'm the boss, I'm in charge. You ain't in charge of nothing. The only reason why you have any kind of authority at all is because Christ gave it to you. And for the one and keep in mind too, that's exactly what Jesus told Pontius Pilate. The only reason you have any authority at all is because it was given to you by the God the Father. So we need to understand that men have a responsibility to make sure that we are doing everything we can do to reflect to our wives that yes, while we are the head of the household, we are not lord over the household. We work together to make sure things are accomplished. And we love our wives as Christ loves the church. You get that? You see how that all works? So we understand these things. So we're talking about behaviors that start with us, aren't we? We're talking about behaviors that start exactly with how we are to live before Jesus Christ. How we are to live before God. How we are to demonstrate this love before others. We're to imitate Jesus Christ's humility. We're to live in such a way, even in this time of 2020 vision, looking to the Lord, looking for the Lord to do things in our lives. We have to, it starts with us. It starts with our own behavior. It starts with how we are to live and show other people the importance of living that way. People know when you serve the Lord because they'll come back to you and tell you, I know you follow the Lord. I know you do this. I know you do that. What an honor to have that. What an honor. 
you're not doing anything out of character. You're doing exactly what you would be doing because you love Jesus Christ and you want to serve him. So make sure that you continue to live in such a way that even I don't care what's going on. Bombs are going off. Writing's taking place. Look, we just maneuver around it. I'll be honest with you. We just get around it. There are things that we have to do as a people, as a church, to stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful. No matter what else is going on. I've said that phrase many times now, even in conversation in Sunday school, and also said it to uh, my Bible study people at the assisted living facility. Stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful. We need to be doing those very things, and we need to look exactly at what's going on here in this passage about how Christ gave of himself and sacrificed himself for others. Um, One more passage I'm going to take a quick peek at. John 13... 13. There are people who are going to still ask questions about John, uh, pardon me, about Jesus's authority. But one thing we need to understand about who Jesus is, he is a teacher and he is the Lord and he is our authority. And he teaches us through what? Reading the Bible every day. He gives us the word every day. He teaches us He gives us examples of how he lived. Not only did he give us the words on how to live, but he showed us how to live. So John 13, 13 says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. He is telling you exactly who he is. He is telling you exactly who he is. So he is reminding us about the importance of just staying ready. Um, He may return at any moment. Are you prepared to meet him? I have to remind people every now and then. That Jesus Christ is coming back at, he can come back at any moment. Are you ready for him? Well, if you're not ready for him now, get ready. Because if anything has been happening all year long, we're, we're reminded the last days are here. And we don't know when the end is coming. But we are promised there is an end. In Matthew chapter 24, it talks about the end is going to come. I believe it's the last verse in that chapter. There is an end that's coming very soon. We need to be ready. Are you ready for his return? Are you living in such a way where you're living in humility for Jesus Christ? Are you doing these things? Are you reacting to the world or are you listening to the spirit? That's a very pointed question. Are you living for what the world is doing or are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Is the Spirit still teaching you something about what's going on right now? Please keep that in mind. And that's something we need to understand, too. You don't know when he's going to return. I love that passage, Matthew 24, 42. Stay awake, for you don't know on what day your Lord is coming. I am going to trust that everyone here right now is wide awake, especially with what has happened since March. You realize it's only been like four months And we have seen some of the craziest stuff we ever thought we would see. Are you awake? Are you paying attention? Are you recognizing what your role is when it comes to your relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you and we thank you again for your truths. We thank you for your reminders. And some of these reminders are very gentle reminders, and some of them are very stark reminders 
of what we need to be doing and how we should be living during a time like this. And of course, there are different points in history where there have been different times like this. Things that come to mind, uh, uh, the Great Depression, uh, the flu of 1918-1920, the Vietnam War, World War II, World War I. The times that we've been living in, there have been opportunities for people to come to know you with a saving knowledge. And Lord, we pray that we can be those vessels through our church, through our conversation, through the people that we are interacting with, that we remind people the importance of a relationship with you. To be able to do what? Deal with those times as they come. Thank you for reminding us of how we need to be prepared for your coming. Thank you for reminding us how much you love and cherish your church. We're not a perfect church, but we are a church that is willing to learn and willing to do the things necessary to serve you. Thank you, Lord, for the reminders of how important it is for us to be obedient to you. Thank you for reminding us how we are not to be distracted by, frankly, matters of sin. Not to be distracted by those things where people want to see us sin and take us off the focus of you. That's what Satan wants. And we are just not going to comply. We're going to tell Satan to get behind us. Because that's not what we were to do. We are to focus and follow you. Lord, you are good to us. And you are good for us. We thank you for those reminders. We thank you for showing us how much you love us. Lord, we can't begin to show how much we love you. All we can do is remain obedient to you and focused on you. Help us, Lord, in this endeavor. And we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Boy, that that took a lot out of me. I have to be honest with you. Um, There was just so much that was coming in my mind as I was going through this, and the Holy Spirit is very good. Um, Of course, this will be available for review once it goes uh, live on Facebook, uh, and we'll have that uploaded and ready for you to look at it. I thank everyone for being here, just as a quick matter of housekeeping, uh, because we need to head down to Akron. Um, Please make sure that you um, remember the offering. Uh, If you're not coming to church, if you want to send an offering to our church, you're welcome to do so. Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, the mailing address is 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We welcome any contributions you'd like to make because we still have to run a building. We still have to keep our building, uh, pay the utilities and do everything that's necessary. We will be getting back in there soon. I can't tell you when, but we will have to just look out for that and we'll see how it works. But even with that, We're going to stay online. We're going to be doing this online whether we're in church or not. Uh, We have uh, a whole new world now when it comes to making sure that we're doing everything we can to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Please note, if you're coming to church, bring your lawn chairs and and dress accordingly uh, for a little bit cooler weather than last week. But we look forward to seeing you. We'll meet you down there. So with that in mind, we're going to uh, sign off here. Thank you so much for being here. God bless all of you. Uh, I appreciate you very much for being with us. Uh, every Sunday morning, and we will do it again next week. So with that in mind, um, stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Take care.